0: Welcome to the very first episode of Until Casey Gets Back to Me, My Gaming History.
1: You can Uh, edit the title in later. Oh, God, hello.
0: (laughs) It might well be My Gaming History, but here's the thing. It's not My Gaming History. This week, it's Boz's Gaming History.
1: Hello, Uh Boz.
0: And uh, this is how it's going to be week after week. I will talk to various different people. Do you know what? I'm I'm kind of thinking anybody, really. I I don't care. This is just I I want to find out about people's gaming history, and where they started and what they used and favorite games and all that kind of thing. So that's what we're here to talk about. So it would
1: be an interesting project because depending on how old people are will depend entirely their path i think that
0: was actually going to be my first question is okay. you know just for our audience and because i'm never 100% sure of anybody's age how old are you
1: i am exactly 40
0: right so you were born in 77 yeah okay so and and obviously you're from the uk because i think that's going to play oh, yes. a major, major part in it as well yeah, it will. To be honest. Um, so now we've established that then. So where where do you remember the first time you played a computer game? Sort of.
1: Um, th- I think the thing is, I'm not sure if I played it or not, but I remember when I fell in love with computer games. And it was when my mother remarried and I was a little git all day. Um, they She then went on honeymoon and I went to stay with my... Uh, we talked about them on movie news the other day, the, the family in Wales yes. <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> anyway, um, so but we stopped at a Motorway Services on the M4 and they had the original Star Wars Cabinet uh, Death Star run game. Ah, the yes. The light, light Drawn. Um, and I, I know I played it later in life, um, but uh, at that age I can't remember if I actually watched somebody play it or they let me have a go. Not sure but that was where it all started. So I was very much a computer game, uh, sorry, an arcade gamer initially. Right. Um, until my stepdad then brought home this system and I've, I've gone and got it out of the loft. I <laughs> I couldn't remember what it was called. Okay. And I've never heard anybody talk about it on any of these nostalgia things anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, it is actually called an Ace-Tronic MPU-2000. Have you ever heard of that?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> not- so Sorry, the Ace-Tronic, this, oh, the Ace-Tronic MPU-2000. Here you go. <laughs> okay. Let's have a look from uh, oldcomputers.com.
1: Has an on-off switch, low-programmed game select and start buttons. The aerial cable is hardwired into it and it has two analog joystick controls, which actually really smooth still. Um, I've lost the little screw in bits, but the mechanism's still there. Then it has two like red fire buttons at the top and then um, like a full number keypad below it because it had like maths games and word games and there's one called Codebreaker and uh, it used to have little overlays that went over the buttons so that all those buttons are black they're completely unlabeled yeah and depending on the game the game came with the transfers
0: quite like the uh intellivision thing or coleco vision similar setup oh, i see right okay um i've just found a page about these so the the acetronic mpu 2000 was released in 1979 by Astronic, only ah. in the uk and technically compatible with the Intertron VC four thousand software. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> However, the cartridge slots and cartridges were different for each machine, so you couldn't take an Ace-Tronic cart and plug it straight into the in- Intertron machine. So, okay, the Intertron VC four thousand was a different thing altogether. Okay. Uh, I've
1: got one here called Laser Attack, which I actually remember fondly, <laughs> and it says suitable for Ace-Tronic Radofin prinztronic microprocessor systems and that's copyright copyright 1982 <laughs> made in hong kong gosh this
0: is a very i have never seen this never heard of it never <laughs> nothing we, we're looking at something atari 2600 sort of level of computing here pretty much yeah um but this is this is where it started this is gosh gosh look at it space invaders it's almost quite like the Philips G7000, but again, a totally different machine.
1: Well, my sister was ace at Space Invaders, um, and the thing I got recently, which I'm sure we'll get to later, um, I, I got her to play it just to see if the same thing happened, because she would she would hold the remote, and she would do the whole leaning left fully with her entire body and right <laughs> to avoid bombs. Absolutely hilarious to watch.
0: Yeah, Alison does that. Um, <laughs>
1: It's so, these, so these wonderful. Cartridges, they have, they have um, game modes on them. So that would explain that button. But So on the front of the cartridge on this laser attack, you've got five levels, basically. So you've got laser attack, level two, level three, laser attack, ace, and then laser attack, cadet. I don't remember that at all.
0: Well, this is where they just have, it's basically the same game, but with slightly different rules or whatever. And it all had to be activated with, an ex- with the, the hardware button, I suppose, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, again, the
1: Atari was similar. Uh, this thing's incredible looking. Oh, shooting gallery, I remember this one. But, I think, there's no screenshots on the boxes either. Not like today. Oh, let me see what the graphics are like. It's like, no, you just go by the artwork on the front and buy it.
0: Well, then it was just, amazing that there were graphics.
1: You know, well, yes. Yes. <laughs> This I... one's got 32 game programs on this cartridge. I don't even remember. Crazy.
0: So do you, was this something that was brought into the house by a, a parent or was this something that was requested by a child?
1: No, this, this was just blindsided. Um, my stepdad used to work on the lorries and he just walked in with a cardboard box with this system dumped in it sideways and a stack of games. And, and this this box it's in now is how I remember it always being stacked away. And we just it fell off the back of a lorry, is what he always used to say. <laughs> right, fair enough. I've got no idea where he bought it, how he got hold of it. All I remember is the original one broke, and then he managed to get his hands on another one quite easily. Uh, but beyond that, I have no idea. But I played it for years.
0: Gosh. See, I think another thing that I'd be interested to find out about people is whether that first system was... Was that a child asking for a toy or was that a parent who wanted that thing anyway? And <laughs> luckily I have a child and can justify it? Cause I think that's what happened to me. You know, <laughs> like my, I didn't ask for computer games when I was a toddler. I had no, no idea what they were, but my dad did and he wanted them. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was it. Uh, and I, I think that will vary from person to person as well. Uh,
1: Actually, I, I saw my first Nintendo Switch this morning and uh, I said, oh, Goldust, you got one. She goes, well, yeah, that's one of them. But after we bought that for my kid, my husband liked it so much, he went out and bought one as well.
0: Yeah, they're a sort <laughs> of one-each kind of thing. That's where they've been very clever with it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so where did, you, where did you go after this then?
1: Um. So after the, I mean... There's, there's two stories running always because uh, all my childhood holidays, because uh, I personally have a lot of money when I was a kid. So we did camping and in the UK. And very often it was nice to go to the seaside. My dad loved sunbathing. So <laughs> it was always somewhere like that. So there were piers and there were arcades. Oh, yeah. And I can pretty much remember each holiday by what game I was obsessed with on that holiday. So, for, for example, one holiday we went to Felixstowe. And at Felix Stowe, they had rolling thunder on the pier, um, which I don't know if you remember was a really tall gangly dude with a gun and basically lots of, there were Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan looking motherfuckers trying to shoot him basically with yellow hats, white hats, blue hats, whatever. And uh, you would run out of bullets really fast. There were like doors you could run in and charge up. Um, oh and then yeah. You, uh, if you got far enough, then you go and you get like a submachine gun. Yeah, And had really funky music. Loved that game.
0: I feel like this is actually, that's actually just recently been redone as a sort of, yeah, I think, because it, it's a Namco game. and it is. They've is. just put out sort of a Namco arcade game pack for the Switch, and I think that might be in it.
1: Oh, no way. Oh, that's, oh, now I'm going to have to get that now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. Damn it.
0: Sorry. I think you might be able to get it on your PS4. I don't know if it's a Switch exclusive thing, but Yeah. <laughs> That's out there. Um, I, I can totally relate to that experience of remembering holidays by the computer game you're obsessed by. Um,
1: yeah, or, or the one that was available, I think, it's always...
0: Well, yeah, oh, there, there's always a couple. I mean, I seem to remember when we used to go... The, the couple of times we went to Mallorca, there'd be arcades there. Uh, and After Burner was one for a year. Oh, yeah. And Operation... Operation Wolf, because that had a machine gun on it. It did.
1: I you remember know. losing lots of money to Operation Wolf. In fact, I went to a scout camp and my mum gave me so much money for the week or the two weeks we were there. And by the end of the first motorway services stop, I had about three pounds left. I've done that as well. This is amazing.
0: <laughs> it was the year seven field trip to Ridley Hall and I spent it all on the Turtles Arcade Machine at the first motorway services.
1: Yeah. Yep, so easy done when you are a kid. So I would just... Those, those are like, <laughs> having got an arcade emulator now, you realize this is impossible. Because as an adult, you're like, oh, I was a kid, I was shit. Like, let's let's play now, and they'll see how far I can get on one credit. Well, you can't get anywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're made like that, really.
1: Yeah. yeah. All the combat games I loved were just designed for you to just keep pumping money into the machine. And we fell for it hook, line, and sinker.
0: Well, because you... you... I don't know if it was so much just falling for it as I don't know. They had you hooked. You, you've got to finish a game. I mean, the idea of just having to stop and only play for five minutes ever is quite odd now. Uh, yes. but there are some games. Yeah, that was it. You paid your pound or whatever you had to go. And then that was it. And you'd never play that game again or yeah. whatever. Okay. Oh, I've got another weird. one.
1: I just remembered another one. Um, So, school trip to Landudno, right? (laughs) And they had Double Dragon on the pier. And that was when I got to the last level of Double Dragon without spending too much money, because somebody told me about the secret move. What's the secret move? (laughs) We played that. Basically, if you faced away from your enemy and then pressed both the, I think it was a kick and the punch button together, uh, basically he did an elbow and made the "Hmm," noise. And basically that would knock over every enemy, didn't matter how big they were. And it did twice as much damage as kicking or punching them. Um, so you could actually just walk around, circle around the back of someone, elbow them off the edge, and you spent way less money and got way further in the game.
0: Well, there you go, everybody. <laughs> so if you've been stuck on the Double Dragon arcade game. Yes. I have, I think- m- I have such little arcade experience that this is all, Slightly odd to me, but
1: (laughs) there was, okay, I'll do one more holiday tale, right? This, then we'll go into home computing, but, um, we went to Western supermare, which is where I'm going tomorrow. Weirdly. Um, another two week holiday at a camping site. And it had this little arcade where they just bought a few machines. And, uh, I was playing wonder boy a lot. The original one, um, where you jump over rocks and throw stone clubs at things. Yeah. Snails. I believe, uh, But there was another machine there, and I've never seen it since anywhere. And I actually ended up looking it up online because I was fascinated. But basically, I think it was called Gladiator. Okay. It was actually quite advanced for its time. And you walk down this corridor, people just threw fruit at your head and knives and things like that. And you had to try and block it with your shield. Because if you got hit, wherever it hit, you lost armor at that point. Um, so you basically became unclothed as you walked along and then you would have to fight like two or three people in a row. And it was like high, medium, low strikes. When you hit them, their armor came off in that area. If you stabbed them again in that area, you sort of killed them. Well, some of the older kids had worked out. There's one female (laughs) opponent in this game. And if you can manage to hit her three times in the chest, you, you can see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah, she does actually die with her boobies out, which is really morbid if you think about it.
0: It really is a little bit there.
1: Um, that machine was so full of money. I bet <laughs> it was. Boys playing it.
0: For yeah. the promise of a few pixelated boobs. And it, uh, it, it still astounds me that that was ever a thing. <laughs> Even now I look on it and it's just, oh, it's, I'd, I'd rather have no porn than what, you know all the stuff they put into early '80s computer games.
1: It's Have bit- think about it, in those years how available any of it was to a twelve-year-old boy. I mean, you know, you took what you could get. <laughs> Absolutely, it's just I'm surprised that
0: we ever tolerated. You know, some a drawing of boobs. Wow,
1: just an eight-bit graphic boobs, not <laughs> not a photo. The graphics were actually, you look at it now and you think, actually, for the for the time, they were pretty good. I, they were pushing the envelope on that, I think. I've looked it up on YouTube just out of curiosity to try, because I couldn't remember what it was called. So it took me ages to find it. And I thought, surely somebody has just done the, you know, hit her and get her boobs out video. And uh, no, you actually have to really watch through one of the ones where they play through the game to see if they get close to it. Very
0: weird. It's very weird. Although now I'm looking at the game on on Google, and I feel like I had this for the Amstrad. Because it was, yeah, it's from that era. It was out on arcade game ZX Spectrum, Commodore 64, and Amstrad CPC. I know. So I'm... had it. Yeah. But that was back in the days when arcade conversions were just garbage. Yeah. Because it's so weird to think that the, the concept of an arcade machine where there's this computer game that is just so much more powerful than anything you can afford yeah, <laughs> and you can pay to play it per life or whatever, but you can't have one. You can have a spectrum. That's what you can have. And I think, well, what what is the difference really? And it's so weird now to think that, that there'd be a game that you can't, you cannot have at home because mm. <laughs> You, well, it's re- too powerful I yeah. keep trying to imagine what the modern day Equivalent would be And it, it would have to be like a PC Running with so many Top of the range graphics cards That you couldn't ever fit them on a motherboard At home and that sort of mm. thing But then someone would want to do that And could yeah. do it So th- the mm. world is a, a Very different place indeed it Certainly is Since Gladiator in 1986 yes. <laughs>
1: Well, a fairground in my 20s, they were actually selling the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles full arcade machine for 500 quid, all four control bits. And I was like, I can afford that (laughs) (laughs) because at that point in my life, I could. But I still lived at home with my parents, so I had nowhere to put it, (sighs) absolutely nowhere to put it. So I couldn't get it.
0: I think it's kind of a dream of everybody about our age to have an arcade cabinet in your house. That I think I I seem to remember, like on 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 TV shows with cool characters, they'd have arcade games in their house or something. Yeah, and and so I think we just always wanted that. But realistically, you don't want that. You don't want it. No, you do though, don't you? I'm just trying to console myself. Well, I imagine well,
1: you need the house big enough first, so I'll take that first and <laughs> I'll think about the arcade machine.
0: That's it. I'd need to have it delivered while Alison was out. Uh, <laughs> and I I'd, I'd definitely need some help getting it up here to the attic, which would be an interesting <laughs> exercise in itself.
1: Crane uh, lift it through the skylight. It'd be fine.
0: I think that's the only way. <laughs> Even that would have to be made bigger. Or you just miss <laughs> you just miss with the crane and that happens automatically, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: That's a whole different kind of arcade machine. Uh Yeah.
0: You know, I still find myself staring at that Velux, amazed at the time that the Polish builder climbed out of it to fit the chimney for the fireplace. (laughs) Scared the crap out of me. I was waiting for safety equipment and stuff. And he was like, no, hang on. Picked up a chair. (laughs) Off he went. Fine. Okay. Great. You know your job, mate. That's fine.
1: Probably best the health and safety executive never find out about that. It is indeed.
0: <laughs> but it's one of those things like, well, he can either nip up and do it like he's done a million times, or mm. this whole process can cost £15,000 and require permits. Yes. And you just think, well, maybe he can go up then. That's all right. If he's happy doing that, I wouldn't make him. but Because <laughs> fucking... what, what scared you most is is the fact that, that he went up for the top of the chimney thing. It's got a name and I can't remember it like the chimney Blue. crown or the oh, chimney okay. hat or something, whatever. And he brought it down, passed it to me, and I immediately dropped it because it was the heaviest thing I'd ever held in my life. Couldn't <laughs> pick it up. <coughs> but he just swung it over his shoulder like, yeah, I can carry eight of these. Yeah. Like, okay, mate. Fine. <laughs> anyway, we're a bit off, off there. <laughs> so that, that was your arcade experience.
1: Yeah, some of it. I won't bore you with all of it. Um, but
0: you, so you had a similar, uh, sorry, a parallel home life thing going on, as in fact we all did at the time. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And that, as as you mentioned, a lot of it involved trying to get arcade quality at home, which just never happened. Um, but I think we'll find some similarity because I had an Amstrad CPC-464 with a cassette drive. Um, there were never any upgrades to that system. That is what I had for years.
0: Well, to be fair, there were no upgrades to need. Um, well, they did a disk drive. They was did. That- we we had the, the 6128, which was the, the one with the disk drive. Now, mm. as I look back pragmatically as an adult, really the only difference between those two machines was that tapes took longer to load than disks. And other than that, I don't know how my experience would have been different to yours. It's not like um, I, I understand that the, the 464 had 64K of memory and the 6128 had 128K of memory. But I don't know what, how that manifested itself in a real world example. You know, that well, we we looked at the same games.
1: Yeah, because the games had to load completely into memory or they wouldn't run. Exactly, and So no one ever made a game over 64, did they? <laughs> so- yeah,
0: basically that was it. Why would you make the game that cuts off half the user base? And mm. so it just never happened. There was never an incompatibility problem. It was just a, a matter of time. And I know that people complain about um, tapes being dodgy to load, which yeah. a lot of the times they were. But I would actually say that 464 was because a, a lot of my friends had those as well. I never saw four six four really have the same problems with its internal tape deck that we had with an external one. Oh, interesting! It it just didn't compare. It was you you could trust that thing to load tapes so much. I seem to remember we'd we'd have a thing if we bought a tape game and couldn't get it to load on our six one two eight. Before deciding the tape was broken, I'd try it on my mate's four six four which right. would usually load the tapes. So, mm. you know, that's what actually half the memory gets you games that work. So I think, I think
1: you know. I think they did wear out after a while. Um, and there are two great injustices in my childhood where, like it, that have lodged themselves in my traumatic memory where I was accused of things I didn't do. Right. And one of them involved the Amstrad. <laughs> so there was this really cool little it was i suppose now it would be like a comic shop or a uh you know sort of place where kids go and play magic the gathering and that kind of thing it was like a very early version of that okay and i loved this shop and they sold all the cassette games and i went and bought a game i went home it wouldn't load so i was like oh shit so i tried everything wouldn't load wouldn't load wouldn't load couldn't get it to do it so i took it back i said i the think there's something wrong with this and he said okay well he gave me another copy of the same game so i went back it wouldn't load it wouldn't load it wouldn't load <laughs> went back i said no there's i think it's some, i don't know if it was a batch or whatever um he says well okay I'll take a different game so i took a different game that wouldn't load either i went back and he just had this the, the friendly guy i saw all the time when i was buying games had gone and he's just like i'm not i'm not giving you any more games what i, I think you're copying them oh i said how 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 do you copy them <laughs> <laughs> Like I'd never thought it was as simple as taking your tape to tape dubbing uh, ghetto blaster thing, yeah, <laughs> and just copying the tape never even entered my mind for a second. Of course, after he fucking accused me of it and I hadn't done it, yeah, I started copying games. Yeah, bastard. Of course, he did. I did. Felt yeah, guilty about something I hadn't done for weeks after that because that had never happened to me as a child. Like no one had ever accused me of it something I hadn't done. I remember we but, we used to take tape games back.
0: All the time, and and there'd just be ones that you'd take back five, six times before you got one that worked. Uh, and I, I think it's just the nature of cassette tapes. Um, it
1: turns out all I needed to do was buy a head cleaner. <laughs> there I you go. The tape, ran <laughs> it through. Everything worked perfectly. And <laughs> I could have just said that.
0: <laughs> the the trouble with it was, I think you, you're playing a sound in order to get computer data from it. And Mm. if that sound is even remotely imperfect, you get incorrect computer data and you get corruptions and crashes and all sorts of things. That's fine for an album. If there's a slight imperceptible audible change to you as a person, you can Mm. live with that. But for a computer, it fucks it up. Um, And if they've replicated that. Yeah.
1: Get the intonation wrong. You've just offended somebody. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And. (laughs) So if there's just, you know, you can just imagine so in, down at the replication place, someone just bumps into the machine while it's doing the first run. And that's it. Every copy of that game has this little squiggle on it that fucks yeah. it up. Of course, um,
1: when every other game up to that point has worked, but I didn't have the analytical brain to think, well, let's load a game I know works that I've had for ages. So <laughs> I think...
0: Well, the difference is I think you and I are, are of the age that we've lived through the great IBM PC compatible period, mm. which I think probably taught people our age to be more astute at problem-solving and fixing computers mm. than anything before. So once you... Hang on, I'm I'm getting ahead. We can't not talk about the Amstrad. What were some of your favourite <laughs> Amstrad games? Because Honestly, it felt like we had that thing for decades, even yes, though obviously did. we didn't. But you know, <laughs> as a kid, it was that was the computer of my childhood. Yeah. Um. So what well, what what are your memories of it?
1: Well, picking the highlights, obviously the, you've got the Amstrad set that came with it. They got actually they got played quite a lot. So Roland in the caves and um, the fruit machine one, where all of the fruit rollers were listed in the inlay cover. So you could always get a jackpot. My mum used to play there for hours. Uh, the Hampton Court Maze.
0: <laughs> there were so many. Harrier Attack is the Harrier probably Attack. the most famous, the most famous out of the Amsoft games. Yeah, uh, Amsoft, that was it. I yeah. think they were. I, I believe this was part of. Yeah, they were wholly owned subsidiary of Amstrad. Uh, basically, set up to make some games for the damn thing. Basically, <laughs> now, just we've got the, just make some games. I don't care. Just go. And uh, yeah, in 1984, 85, and oh, a little bit in 86, they sort of shut out some well known sort of games (laughs) like Harrier Attack, Oh Mummy. Oh Mummy,
1: yes. Oh, that was all about the music, wasn't it? It You could sing it now, couldn't you, Rich?
0: You (laughs) could. And Um and so many, all the Roland games, there's loads of them. And yeah, that's what. And so you bought the Amstrad; it came with this pack of games. Um, you know, now you buy a Switch; it comes with no games, or it comes with a game. And yet, back in the day, they were like, "No, here's a thousand million games that we've made just for now." (laughs) Bless them! I
1: just—it was taken off in Harrier Attack. It was the noise they managed to get from an eight-bit speaker. It sounded (laughs) sort of like a plane taking off. Um, uh, yeah that
0: was one of those like your mum would come in the room like can you turn that noise down kind of that's not sound i want to hear yeah you know i i can't do an impression of it it's just a horrible sound the the plane in harrier attack maybe i'll find yes. a copy and splice it in here <laughs> and you can hear that noise it's just horrible what, well, it, what I mean, it, you
1: you could do that with a lot of the games in it because this is where we fell in love with 8 bit soundtracks, surely, because that a lot of the games, like I used to have Dizzy, which is the stupid egg that rolls over things. Uh, the, the first Dizzy game, not the Treasure Island one, that had, again, I remember having a really evocative music to it. Um, oh, that was another one. Oh, uh, I had Friday the 13th, first horror game I ever had on the Amstrad.
0: That might have been one? one of the first ever horror games. Really? Well, yeah, um, Mm. given the year and all that kind of thing. (laughs) You know, I think I did play it. um, It was impossible. Now, hang on then, because I don't want to get it mixed up with the the NES version. Because it was different. Um, And yeah, I think I do remember playing it. And the music specifically, Mm. it had... What's it
1: called? It's a classic. It's not Ode to Joy, is no, it? But it? but It's yeah, a classical it's... piece. <sighs> and it was so creepy. <laughs> and you walk in the church and the music would change. And it was basically, you had to walk screen to screen and there were lots of little characters everywhere. And you could pick up these yellow weapons, which had varying levels of effectiveness. And you're basically looking for Jason, who's just running around dressed in black. Because obviously they couldn't do the mask with that many blocks of pixels. Um but basically you had to get to him before he got to someone else and killed them. So it was just this chase game, but he would always get to someone else and kill them before you found him. The rare time you found him, you just pointlessly waved this weapon at him and he'd kill you. <laughs> I don't think I ever managed to kill him once, but when he killed someone, there was this blood curdling scream. As my memory says, it was probably some <laughs> terrible eight bit squeegee noise, but the, Jason Mask with a dagger through the eye in the pool of blood would appear on the screen, full screen. Yeah, and it always made you jump.
0: I do remember this game. (laughs) I do remember it, and I mean, it it is my memories are distorted because, like I say, it's there was an NES version which is famously bad, but it's a different game. Um, This was a thing that happened. Everybody back then was that you'd have game. The game would come out for multiple platforms, but it wouldn't necessarily always be the same game, which is weird. <laughs> but that's what happened. Um, <clears throat> so that that was the thing. Um, God, the Amstrad was a good machine, you know.
1: It was that's so many hours playing on that. I I have
0: recently looked into the possibility of reacquiring one. Really? <laughs> and. Uh, <sighs> You're looking at hundreds of pounds, really? Yeah. The
1: thing is with that yeah. was the it was tethered to the monitor like this old console down here is, and I swear the the flexy thing from the keyboard to the screen was fixed.
0: You uh, couldn't unplug it. They they weren't fixed, but you you couldn't unplug it because it it got power from the monitor. The whole ah, thing was sorry. powered. Ah, yeah. Okay. The the monitor was the only thing that had a. a Mains plug on it, and you got the, the computer itself got the power from the monitor, which is obviously that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and so yeah, you could because I remember we'd just switch the whole thing off by turning the monitor off, yeah, back in the we day,
1: must have as well, actually.
0: Yeah, you will I'm just to remember, yeah.
1: Did you ever play the island of Dr. Destructo? Oh,
0: <laughs> I need oh, the island of Dr. Doctor... Let's have a look at this. I know that name.
1: I would love to get hold of an emulated version of that because I have such fond memories. Basically, each level is a ship at the bottom and you are a fly plane and you can only fly in circles. right. God, yes. They would fly along and go, and then turn into junk, fall and knock a hole in the ship. And you had to get like four holes in the same place and it would spring a leak. Get four leaks, the ship sinks, end of level.
0: Yeah, I've played this game. I am very familiar with this game, absolutely. I'd totally forgotten about this.
1: It's fantastic.
0: (laughs) See, this is why I wanted to do this podcast. This is because I can remember (laughs) stuff like that because, yeah, absolutely. The Island of Dr. Destructo. Mm. (laughs) I feel like that was a slightly 87, which would kind of make it a later one, but... It's still mm. 30 years ago, which is depressing. <laughs> By Bulldog Games. Um, makers I used of, to make a lot. Yeah, I'm just actually bringing up their list of...
1: Oh, they made BMX Simulator, which is one of my other favorite games. I thought that was
0: Codemasters.
1: Oh, was it? Um, oh, yeah, it might have been, actually. Yes, that was Codemasters. I remember now.
0: Yeah. Uh, so now I have to play The is Island just... of
1: Dr. Destructo. You just pedal around BMX Simulator. The, the only noise was the pedaling. So it was... Yes. That was it. But you could play it two-player and race each other, which was quite unusual. See, I seem to remember
0: the Amstrad actually had really good sound on it. Like I feel like it had better sound than the consoles at the time and that sort of thing. I remember it being such a bigger, fuller sound.
1: You see, the way they were ranked, because obviously all your friends have different systems, but the way I always saw the home systems at the time were the ZX Spectrum at the bottom, then you had the Amstrad in the middle, and then the best was the Commodore 64. And we all wanted the Commodore 64, but it was that much more expensive. Um, And that just seemed to have slightly better graphics and slightly better gameplay. But it was always, the, the I couldn't stand the Spectrums because they didn't have the full color palette.
0: Spectrums were awful. I will go as far as to say, as well, Commodore 64s were awful. You had the best one. You think? Oh, okay. By a long shot. <laughs> by a lot. I mean, honestly, go by now, look on YouTube, compare some Commodore 64 graphics to Amstrad graphics. They're very pale and washed out. It's, it's not as good at all. The the Amstrad was far more technically capable, although for some reason it was the third best selling of the three. Was it? Yeah. Um. To me, it was the it was the best selling. That was the one that my group of friends had. Mm. Uh, you know, but I think that would vary from school system to school system, sort of thing, you know. Uh, but yeah, the Amstrad was by far the best. I will sing the praises of that machine forever. You see,
1: I. I only had two other friends who had a home computer at that time. Right. No one else had one.
0: It, um, it did begin as a sort of, you know, quite a rare thing to to have. Mm. Uh, and I, I think kind of you, you either got into it because, you you know, your parents generally, your dad were, was into it at that time, or because it was seen as an educational thing. Mm. I, I think there were a lot of parents who bought, computers for the home thinking i'll get the kid this and then they'll become a genius and you think now i think you're missing some steps in that process but at least they've got a computer okay so
1: oh yeah but you must have at some point got the magazine i remember what it was called where it had type in these six pages of code Mm -hmm. and you'll have a game at the end of it that you can't save and you will lose when you turn off the computer
0: the the instruction book to the Amstrad had games in code. Oh, it did, didn't it? In the yes. Ba- that I remember that instruction book being literally biblically thick. <laughs> um, you know, it was it was enormous, uh, and now I don't think an instruction book came with my MacBook Pro. <laughs> um, certainly not one with pages of code in. Um,
1: But I did learn basic, basic on that computer. So there was an educational element to it because I wanted to program my own games up to a certain point. And then that day when I did do lines and lines and lines of code and it just didn't run. I was like, ah, fuck this. Yeah, not
0: doing that anymore. (laughs) Screw it. Or or, just bug checking and looking for that one incorrectly typed character and all that sort of thing. Mm hmm. God, it was Which is painful. Why I
1: never got on with programming later in life. When I did an A level in computing, <laughs> I started programming. I was like, "Oh fuck this!" There was a there was a decimal point in the wrong place, and <laughs> it screwed my whole program. Do you know I, I, I have the patience?
0: I would go as far as to say I don't know how they made games in those days using no. BASIC. I don't. My brain cannot comprehend it because it's it's procedural coding. Line mm-hmm. one followed by line two, etc. Yeah. and we don't do that now. Now we have object oriented where you define an object and the rules defining that object and how things interact and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. It's much easier to do now.
1: If uh, line 2 does this then do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Go to line 10. That's it was you were basically it was a long choose your own adventures game a program in the <laughs> 80s that was how it worked. But yeah, I don't know how they made that be games. I yeah. I really don't.
1: Especially I, not. I think... Go, go ahead. What would you say, I, I think learning that actually, uh, I, it wasn't really a promotion, but when I got my first job, I was at an electronics company. I used to test circuit boards and stuff and mill around on the shop floor. And I decided I wanted to stay on and work longer um, after my A-levels. And uh, I ended up writing... I was. We were learning Pascal at, during our uh, A-level. And obviously that's very... Like basic, really, and I can get my head around that because it's, it, it's words, yeah. And um, so, I wrote this little program, made it an exe file that would basically run if I put it in the auto exec file of the PC. And the most vital testing unit uh, on April Fool's Day, I called my manager over and I said, Something wrong with this computer, it's not working. He went, What? <laughs> so, I did a control alt delete, booted the thing up, and it just came up uh, system error, uh, system will shut down in T minus 10 seconds. And it counted down 10, nine, eight. And then it says, reinstall operating system and just started shooting pages and pages and pages about the screen. And I knew he wasn't computer literate really. And he went, Oh fuck. Oh no. Oh, what are we going to do? And then after about 10 screens, I'd programmed it to change to April fall, April fall, April fall, April fall. <laughs> he chased me around the factory with a pair of pliers. Brilliant. Um, but <laughs> about a few weeks later, they said, oh, we've considered your request to stay on. We're actually going to move you up into the drawing office. And I started doing stuff like circuit board design and things like that. Spectacular. Can't help but think the two things are slightly related. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: was... like, even if they were just thinking we've got to get him out of the way Brian. Brian's got to kill him if he sees him again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh,
1: was we was... Can't,
0: we're not covered for that. We're not covered <laughs> for murder. So get him out of There's
1: there. It's a tangent from game.
0: It is. <clears> just a little bit. Oh, the Amstrad, those were the days. Yeah. But you've made it very clear you did not move on to the Amiga.
1: No. Oh, no. Yeah, I heard your show where you said, oh, yeah, then we bought another one. I was like, oh, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> no, because it was the thing I wanted most in my life. Uh, my friend Gavin had one, and I used to go to his house as much as possible. And like, it was just a highlight of my week to be able to play anything on his Amiga. Um, I loved a game called Lords of Chaos, which was based on a it was an Amstrad and Spectrum game called Chaos. Um, which is like wizards casting spells. Yeah. And then you send them at each other. And then Lords of Chaos was like the next generation of it. And it just I loved it. Um there was a game called Turbo we used to play. Yeah, loads, loads of stuff. Um but yeah, back home we couldn't we couldn't really make that jump. But then on the other hand, my other friend, uh his dad worked at IBM. He ended up with an 086. An 086. <laughs> an 086. That was the entry-level processing speed. Then obviously we went 286, 486, and then Pentium. Yeah. So yeah. it was always this, and that got me into PC gaming, like entry-level. And we used to play Mech Warrior on that, the original one. Have you ever come across that one? I have. Yeah, it, when we first used to play it, you get to the point where you had a heavy mech, which were the slowest ones. And they had two long range lasers and it'd be like, attack this base, kill the mechs next to it. Take the loot. Okay, fine. So we would accelerate our mech to maximum speed walking towards his base. Then we'd go and make toast, tea and coffee. <laughs> Cause each step, the process of speed was so slow. It used to take 10, 15 minutes for it to walk across the battlefield to engage the enemy and it was so slow. You would just line the reticle up on the enemy's head. And then the second your long range lasers came into play, you just fired them both and blew his head off. Um, <laughs> years later, I played it on like a three, eight, six. I'm like, ah, oh, it's too fast. I just got absolutely hammered. to <laughs> <loads of> pieces. <laughs> I think
0: we actually got that game free with our voodoo 3D FX card. Oh, right. Or something back in the day. Like the first time we got a, a the first time we got, a graphics card, you know, because that, that wasn't a thing. Uh, I remember it had eight megabytes of memory. <laughs> that was, that that was, was the a fantasy. That wasn't
1: 2. It huh? might have been, I don't know. Well, Mac Warrior 2 was different because it came with actually a music disc. So you'd load the game, and then you put a CD-ROM in with the music on, and just that would just play tracks in the background while you played the game. And some of it was pretty cool, actually. Well, I think
0: then it gave them the opportunity to do proper music doing it like that because you're essentially playing a music CD and we forget that computers couldn't play music Mm. I I forget shit like this like that you forget (laughs) they couldn't play music they couldn't display a photo they couldn't play video they couldn't do any of these things that we Mm. take for granted so much now we're complaining oh there's too much there's so many pop-up videos playing stuff at me when I'm on the internet I are you kidding me like, they didn't used to be able to display anything. Mm-hmm. They could do text, maybe. Um, see, but yeah, if so if you went on to that level of PC, you'll definitely have gone through the years of boot disks and yep, all that painful
1: yeah. shit. We played um, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and it was one of those LucasArts games. So it was like very text-based and problem-solving. And I, I will never forget that the last level of it, you have to try and get the right cup. And it's the bit where the spinning disks come out of the wall and try and cut you in half. And the sequence to cross that room, you literally had to click on one of four pixels in the right place and then click somewhere else on the other side of the screen, again, in exactly the right place. Right. Um, or, or it just didn't work. You died. <laughs> the amount of repetitions it would have taken to learn exactly where to click it was just evil um, but they were great little games uh, similar to like Monkey Island stuff like that uh, in format oh um, yeah yeah and another one we used to play was Ski or Die which was just a crazy winter sports simulator type game where you'd go down like the black run of a mountain in a uh, inflatable ring <laughs> <laughs> or have a snowball fight or, um, that was a lot of fun as well.
0: Oh, I remember this one. I don't think <laughs> I, I think this would have been related to skate or die.
1: It Which, probably was actually.
0: So that, yeah. Cause if you can do a skateboarding game, you can do a snowboarding game. That's yes. <laughs> that's just a little bit of a graphics change. That is. Um, yeah. but yeah, the, I th- oh then again, there might've been quite a few or die games, you know, <laughs> like do this or die. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just, <laughs> Just chill, you know, but that that was a 1990 game. You see, I think the Amiga sort of straggled the 8 bit and the PC era, mm. uh, which no. is why it was. It's a very almost uniquely British thing. Um, it's not uniquely British, but I think it was here. It was by far bigger than anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know that you really missed anything if you went on to PC.
1: Well, it was a long time. So I I missed that window basically by going to my friend's house and playing theirs. So that was how I bridged that gap. And PCs, it took a while. And it was when I could get like an old busted one from someone because they'd upgraded. So I was actually pretty good at building PCs pretty early on (laughs) because I just cobbled together what I could get my hands on. Um, I'll never forget that excitement of putting in a new card and just go, wow, look at that.
0: Yeah, I I bloody love all that stuff, and I I I, I am so glad that we got to learn that, mm. you know, because to kids now, a PC is a sealed box, an iPad is most definitely a sealed box. You yeah. don't you don't get to know how it works, but mm. a PC back in nineteen
1: ninety four, God, Well, it just had. If you didn't have a tower, I mean, my my first one was actually a flat desktop one, but it had two buttons either side you just pushed it and flipped the lid open because you used to have to get into them so often didn't mm. you <laughs> there was no screws to undo um you know, they went on to towers and stuff i'm trying to think what well, the gaming bridge really was Yeah, you know, what what i was trying to play with those early systems it, it um, could have
0: been anything i mean i i found it amazing that they ever ran anything um <laughs> and for me it was that was the beginning of the period of games becoming Potentially a pain in the arse, even mm. more so than the the tape that wouldn't load, that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. talk about, the, the honestly, the, the term boot disc <laughs> yeah. just fills me with sort of frustration and anger and rage. You know, in the movie Apollo 13, when they've got Gary Sinise in the simulator trying to work out the correct order to turn everything back on so they don't burn up on re-entry, you, you sit watching that thinking, yeah, a 15-year-old kid from 1994 would have had that solved like that. Because <laughs> you are just, what are you doing? You're building a Windows boot disk for Apollo 13. Yeah. Because if you want to play Worms, you can't load your mouse driver first.
1: Worms, just, of course. You, yeah. know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you
0: can't do that. You've got to oh. wait and load the, load the graphics driver first. You can maybe load the mouse driver later, but there's a procedure here. And you just do that for every game.
1: I remember when you had to type a command to load Windows. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I think that was three one when it, it would boot into DOS, and yes. if you wanted Windows, you typed in Windows.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> that would have been my first PC. Yeah, yeah, that was. Oh, it. And then of course, after that, we end up in like the real Frankenstein era of the PCs and the LAN party at your mate's house, where your monitors perched on top of your tower wobbling. You've got the keyboard wobbling just in front of that on the tower. And then you've got like a stool next to you. So you've got somewhere to put your mouse and you're all linked up with ethernet cables and just trying to blow the shit out of each other. So much fun. I never got to do that. You know? Oh, that's a shame.
0: And I, 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 well, we got more, I think we got more sort of friendly play with the Amiga than the PC because when when PCs came along, it became like you said that you've got your tower, you've got your monitor, you've got all these separate bits. It's a much less portable system than anything that had come before. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it was also a much more family oriented thing in that dad's work was on it. mum's work was on it. My sister wanted to go on it on her programs. Mm -hmm. I had my, and so the idea of taking it anywhere as my thing that had, that had gone out the window yeah i had an amiga 600 in my bedroom but beyond that the pc was ne- that was never mine
1: i'm guessing that's the difference in that my at that point it was my pc i'd been pissing around with computers for so long they probably had one downstairs or i in fact in fact i'm thinking my family weren't that computer bothered anyway so maybe they just didn't care that i'd appropriated the pc but a lot of it had paid for myself um I mean, it's about the age where some of us were driving, had to be, because how the hell did we move them around otherwise? Yeah. Um, but I, I love playing Doom Doom 2. One of my favorite moments in gaming on a LAN party was Duke Nukem 3D when I discovered the pipe bombs and the security cameras. <laughs> I just ran in, laced the room with pipe bombs, and then hid at the side, waited for somebody to run past, and then just hit the button. Ah, joyous. Oh, God, <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> I only, ma- I only got away with it once.
0: <laughs> Wonderful <laughs> they took game me out after that, yeah. Wonderful game. I wish they'd redo it um, without redoing it too much. Mm-hmm. If you know, Duke Nukem Forever was a travesty.
1: I was so disappointed and angry. <laughs>
0: yeah, the game that took God, what how long was it? it? Well over a decade, I think. Yes. Yeah. It was just vaporware for so long, and then when it finally came, surprisingly, it was rubbish.
1: Um, I, the gameplay, the the gameplay was unforgivable. It, it it's just it should have been more playable. If nothing else, even if the story was shit, you could enjoy it if you got some enjoyment out of running around and shooting things. But the mechanics were terrible. I never finished it.
0: No, I, I never did.
1: Quit and never went back.
0: <laughs> I never. I think better things came along as well that were a bit mm. more. I don't want to say gritty because you can't really, <laughs> you can't really say Duke Nukem 3D wasn't, you know, gritty. <laughs> yes, but uh, things like Quake came along, mm. and that sort of thing, and Quake Two, and it got really serious then. And then we got, we got into graphics cards and 3D effects and all that yeah. kind of thing. And I think games like Duke Nukem 3D sort of just paled in comparison a bit. Mm. Um, so
1: I'm thinking where the PC thing tailed off, where it, it it got to the point where I couldn't keep up with minimum system specifications required and I couldn't keep investing in keeping up. And at some point, to, to be honest, it was probably when I started riding motorcycles and all my money went to that for quite a lot of years. Um, but before that happened, um, I, I think the last sort of games I remember playing on PC were like Jedi Academy Jedi yeah. Outcast two I love those um but then after that, I bought the PlayStation One, which had just been released
0: see, I think that I think the same thing happened to me around the same time, but it it took me until the xbox to move over right um the 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 playstation one i I wasn't quite ready yet mm. i think um but yeah, they were huge <laughs> they were to, to say the least.
1: The thing with the PlayStation 1, if you had one, it was just like, oh, you've got a PlayStation. And I don't remember it came with that load disc that you could load up the, this load disc thing, choose uh, like a graphics program, then put a music CD in it. And it would play like weird graphicy, liney things in time with the music, animated with the music. So basically every party we ever went to was bring your PlayStation and everyone just wanted to play CDs in your PlayStation, and have the funky psychedelic stuff on the on the TV. That was still
0: happening at my student house in Wakefield in 2001. <laughs> Brilliant. Seriously, the, the music player in the living room was the PlayStation plugged into the TV and it was Tristan's PlayStation. It was quite a few years old, so you had to turn it upside down to get it to <laughs> run discs
1: Oh, they had, yeah, laser headphones were a thing with those. They were quite susceptible to fluff,
0: I think. Oh, yeah, they they got jammed up like nobody's business, but they would wear out. And yet, oddly, if you turned them upside down, and I found out years later, this is a thing, that a recognized thing to do with the, the PS1, was just flip it over. Works just fine.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: No, I've not found an explanation. I've just found that it's what people did, similar to blowing in your NES cartridges. We all just did it. You don't know why, but you did it. It made things work.
1: As a gamer, Fluff is your enemy. It always was.
0: Absolutely. Still is. Don't like Fluff. (laughs) So what were your great gaming memories of the PlayStation then?
1: Well, it came with Tekken. And uh, I love Tekken and Yoshimitsu was my favorite character. So I used to play that a lot. Uh, Wipeout. Um, Abe's Odyssey, which was just gloriously weird. I don't think I've sunk a lot of hours into that, but I thought it was quite funky. Wonderful game.
0: The, the, the Follow Me. And yes. All the, <laughs> yeah. That, no, that was a great game. A puzzle-solving platformer. And I, I think they've recently remastered it. I think I oh, keep doing this. <laughs> I know it just gets us every time. It's part of me thinks, oh, that's so lazy, and then another part of my brain goes, yeah, but how much? Okay, here you go. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, yeah. just how you. Go. I'm just looking at the console generation. Uh, the the PS the the PlayStation was part of this officially fifth generation. Wow! And so that's on board with the N64, the Atari Jaguar. The- oh, I missed one. Oh, you missed I one.
1: Had, I had a Sega Master
0: System. Oh, right. That takes <laughs> us right back to third generation.
1: Yeah, that must have been, oh, that they, was pre-PC, that, Yeah, but post-Amstrad, so I'd have had the two at the same time.
0: Yeah, because it was 1985 the Master System came out, mm. so yeah. And I
1: had Sonic, Alex Kidd, in Shinobi World. Uh, I don't remember having a lot of games for it to be honest. Do you know, I don't think people did. Mm. And I I think
0: that's why I never got one. I think that was the argument my parents made or or, no, that that's not quite right. That was the opinion my dad held Uh, because again, this, this is stuff I eventually ended up enjoying and wanting, but uh, in the early eighties, it's all determined by the, 30-something guy in the house with the wage and that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> yes. If he wants to play it, okay, great. If he doesn't, then you've got to convince him that you should have something, and that's a that's mm. a different set of rules. But yeah. the, the games on consoles were far more expensive than Amstrad games. Mm. You, you, you'll remember, you used to get you what they called pocket money games, $2.99, $3.99 cassette yes. games for Amstrad. And there were no four pound games for the Master System or any other console. <laughs> no.
1: um, I think it's just to nick him off my mate Russell because he had his parents had quite a lot. He, it was his dad who had the 086 computer before any of us, so right. they, they were a bit better off. So I used to try and borrow games from him. R type I remember playing. He had he also had Space Harrier. Do you remember that from the Okay, I, I do. Uh, and they had like a VR headset. Oh, no, 3D goggles. That was it.
0: Yeah, they, the Master System had a 3D goggle yep, setup. He had those. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I've never seen those in the wild. I've never had a go, but I've seen YouTube videos of them. Mm. Uh, and that was the thing it had.
1: Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so sorry, I missed, I missed that one I entirely. I forgot about that. And I seem to remember a Mega Drive kicking around, but I don't think it was mine. I think it was my brother in law's. I played one whenever I could. And, of course, for Nintendo, I, I skipped Nintendo because I went the Master System route. Um, but my friend Bob, uh, who incidentally designed the logo for Little of Horrors, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, we used to go to his house every lunchtime, and he had the yeah, Super Nintendo. Right. So it was Street Fighter 2 every lunchtime. Yeah. For I as long as I can remember. <laughs> it was just what we did.
0: I, I have a feeling that for many kids – that as much as we we talk about the Mario games and all the stuff that was out on the SNES, but for many kids, it might as well have just been a Street Fighter 2 turbo machine. Mm. You know, that it did that. That's all it needed to do, just play Street (laughs) Fighter over and over again. Uh, And I think this was about the time when FIFA games became a thing. Uh, I seem to remember Uh. my first FIFA game that I played was FIFA 96 on the Mega Drive interesting that's my memory of it i don't i'm not saying that's the first fifa game i'd look that up but that was the first one i played um and i think then again we but then there was always a football game wasn't there and i think it it was the
1: the only one i remember loving was sensible soccer on the amiga yeah i sunk hours into that (laughs) yeah me and my mate ralph used to play a lot i hate hate football I, so do I I, I, I just, love playing it on computer games
0: <laughs> oh do you have this too where you yeah lo- completely I love sports games I hate all sport <laughs> yes but I've got I've, you know there's NBA games there's NHL games there's football games they're all there on the shelf I love playing them all and, and bizarrely the shitter they are the, best, the more I like them
1: yeah this is weird isn't it yeah actually I mentioned before we started which obviously it was <laughs> still on the show um, I also I can't place this in time at all um, but at somewhere in my gaming, I, I came along a Sega game gear, the, the battery muncher. Um, and it was faulty when I got it. The power adapter has never worked. So if I've ever wanted to play this thing, um, I've, I've had to use six batteries, but the game that is in it now, cause I went to fish it out is, I just get this out world class leaderboard golf. Oh,
0: <laughs> I loved that game. That was, was a awesome. that was a fantastic game. Mm-hmm. I have many memories of going on holiday, uh, sort of on a coach, uh, sat next to my dad all night playing leaderboard golf, just passing the game gear back and forth. <laughs> You'll go now, and that was that was just what we did. Well, for the three hours the batteries lasted. Yeah, whatever.
1: You didn't need shares in Duracell. <laughs> you, you need we we had
0: so many contraptions that were just dedicated to somehow powering your game gear. <laughs> it, it we I remember we did have the large battery pack that came with a belt clip. It was a belt you used to wear it, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. And it, it I'd say it was as big as a phone but it was much bigger than your iPhone. It was enormous. And that had the wire on that would plug in and then we got one that was sort of two rechargeable battery packs that were that they, they fitted into the battery slots on the game gear and was sort of hand-grip-shaped as well. Oh, wow. So that that was a bit nicer. So I think eventually, one way or another, we got off the six double A's, but...
1: (sighs) Yeah. I think you were quite lucky, though, because your dad was a gamer, and I think my my stepdad was very much, oh, this this tech's kind of cool, and he'd sort of buy it, but then never really played with it or had any interest with it once it was home. Yeah. So... Once he set me going, it was me trying to push every purchase. Oh, we need one of these. Well, <laughs> well it, only you's going to use it.
0: Yeah. Well, it, we, I think it was that that got us two of things because mm. uh, we had two game gears because you needed to to play multiplayer columns. Columns exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and so that's oh. that's what we had.
1: Um, and the best version of Shinobob that has ever been made. <laughs>
0: I'm never going to forget that. No, no, should you? No, that's fine. Yes. Everybody. I used to think Shinobi was called Shinny Bob. And in my head, when I read it now, it still says Shinny Bob. So that's all there is to it. And you're right. It was a fantastic version of that game on the game gear.
1: So good. Absolutely. Different colors, four different colors, and they had different abilities to do different levels. I've still got it somewhere. Uh, I'd love to get it working again.
0: Yeah. See, Um, now you, you have a sister as well, don't you? Uh, yes, was she ever into playing games?
1: Well, she was the let's say the space invaders idiot of savant um she was fantastic <laughs> at that game, and so we we played this what do we call it? the ace tronic uh we played for years together, but I don't really remember her engaging with games much beyond that, although in the arcade she was obsessed with bubble bubble
0: right well, a lot of people were <laughs>
1: so, see uh, my, but-
0: my sister did play games um and still does actually. Okay. Um and I I think that was also key to getting two of things because <laughs> my my parents wanted to keep both of us and uh, felt that it put us at risk uh <laughs> physically yeah. to have us argue over the game gear. So that that sort of happened.
1: But interestingly my my little sister was born when I was 12 so it's quite an age gap and By that time, I was very much, like I say, driving the computer game side of the household. Yeah. And she, I don't recall her ever really wanting to play games. And now she's really not interested in them at all, really. She's got a Wii now and has found games like Pikmin and found them quite enjoyable. So she, she does game now, but she didn't really grow up gaming a lot at all. So I think the fact that, my stuff was so separate (laughs) because clearly i played games in my room yeah um just implies the rest of the household just were never interested so she never picked up on it
0: and people you know people didn't need to be interested it didn't really get into your life until sort of the internet came along and Mm. i think even for a lot of people it took till the iphone and smartphones came along for them to get into technology yeah and you know, if in the eighties, if you didn't want to use a computer for anything, you didn't have to. There was, yeah. there was no sort of you must go online to do X, Y, and Z. Like you couldn't, you didn't. It was mm. ludicrous. So people didn't have computers.
1: So but this is and, what I say now: is that I'm, I am, um, I, I feel being forty, I'm exactly computer game age. In that, if you look at when this thing came out, pretty much what two years after I was born, and it was. It was probably one of the first in-home console-type systems. Gaming has grown up with me, mm. and, you know, th- I, there's a reason now most games you buy on the PS4 or Xbox are 18-rated, adult themes, because they're, they're for us, the kids who grew up, the, you know, we just wanted the next and the best, and, the you know, it was a symbiotic thing, really.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've gotten off your actual gaming history from the PlayStation.
1: <laughs> Sorry. yeah, because um, I, missed, I missed the game gear. I missed the master system. Yeah. So PlayStation one, um, then PlayStation two, which I loved, um, games like, uh, PsyOps. If you ever played that, that was fantastic. I haven't,
0: but hang on, let me write these down because <laughs> I, as, as my listeners will know, I have recently acquired my first PlayStation two. And,
1: oh, I hadn't heard that.
0: <laughs> yeah. A bit behind on things. <laughs> um, I've just. Do you know about my gaming thing here? You don't
1: well, know. I, you no, ha- there was a GameCube and then some games and some Alice and I rolls.
0: And and then lots of other things started to arrive, Buzz. <laughs> oh, and lots dear. of other things came. And I've, I'm sat behind, right right behind me right now is. One less thing that I've just knocked... Out. Oh, shit, there's water pouring out of that. Onto a multi plug adapter. Hang on. Oh, shit. This I've just caused the end of the world. Okay. Right. Um, You're still there. I'm, I'm still here. Yeah, it's not one that my computer's plugged into. So, okay, that'll probably be fine. Um, I won't tell you... Oh, God. Right, yeah, I've made a right mess. Uh, so, right behind me is a GameCube, a Wii... An Xbox, an Xbox 360, a PlayStation 2, a uh, Raspberry Pi, which is of course running a Nes, Snes, Mega Drive, Master System, Game Gear, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color, etc. So mm. I'm I'm pretty much set up now to play any game on any platform. Amazing. <laughs> I'm missing a Wii U and a PS3, and I've I've I have my eye on those, and maybe even a Dreamcast if I'm honest. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I've recently acquired my first ever PS2 and I'm I'm, you know, just piling up games for it because they're so cheap now. Yeah. Uh, so any suggestions, I'm definitely okay. looking for them.
1: I of course have an N64 in the other room with GoldenEye. That's but well. I, I picked that up way later yeah. as a sort of a retro thing, so it's not really part of my uh history. Although what, no actually, right, sorry, my brain <laughs> Okay, so PlayStation 1, the the pinnacle game for me on that was Final Fantasy VII. And at that point, I was starting to travel a lot with work. Right. And the beauty of it was I had a lot of time on my own, bored of shit, in hotels. Uh, I was covering Ireland. I was sort of working here two weeks, there two weeks, driving around, hotels every night, no one to talk to. Um, So it was just plug the PlayStation in and play several hours of Final Fantasy VII. And... At that point, I was starting to earn quite well. So I was like, ah, oh, something a bit more. And I remember I was in Dunleary and I was a bit bored, hadn't got enough games with me. Thought, i got to go down the road, find a game shop. Went into town, walked in, and I walked out with an N64, huh. two controllers, Firefox, uh, GoldenEye. <laughs> I just stocked up on everything.
0: This happens sometimes. I've tried explaining mm. that to Alison. She's having none of it, but I, kn- I knew you'd understand. <laughs> so where were we ps2 oh you you were giving me ps2 uh
1: game tips yeah do you know i'm racking my brains now about ps2 because psyops is the one i really enjoyed most recently there was another one um time splitters time splitters was a game hell of a lot of fun um because it you'll be running along and then like another version of you turns up and hands you something. And then obviously later in the game, that's you. Um, it's, it's really cleverly put together, but it's the main character. He's sort of a bit of, he's like a cross between max headroom and Duke Nukem and, um, something else funny. Um, he's just really sarcastic and you just jump through time periods. So your weapons are different. And that is one I would love to get on a a modern platform actually, because I never finished it. um, I just remember it being tons of fun.
0: Um, I played uh, Time Splitters two uh, most of all because that was a great. Mm. It was a great uh, multiplayer game. Uh, it's and multiplayer t- oh. certainly, Time Splitters two was. I, I don't know about Time Splitters that, that you're referring to, uh, but we we played that for hours at uni. Just. Yeah. That and uh, shout out to my friend Tom, who never ever beat me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <my> his sh- <laughs> chagrin. <laughs> that was back in the day when I'd be woken up like, "Come on, come on, we're playing. It's today. I'm going to beat you today." It's not, Tom. <laughs> it's not, and it's early. Come on, then.
1: <laughs> Which- Do you like the equivalent of my friend Gavin? He he is a you know, some people are just born with an ability to understand and play music just naturally. Yeah. yeah he, absolutely. he is that he's the gamer version of that. Any game he sat down just like, oh, i completed that. And he just he was unassailable at everything I ever played him at. It was so fucking annoying. And it was him that had the Amiga. So There you go. Um <laughs> and he actually does I think before the Twitch stuff really kicked off and stuff, he was doing like uh gaming vlogs um uh, <laughs> watching play. But yeah annoyingly talented at computer games (laughs) it's something that has come to me as i've gotten
0: older that you sort of once you've played a lot of computer games and you've been through a lot of experiences things do tend to get not necessarily easier but more predictable and they make more sense to you because your brain is wired for that way of thinking
1: Okay. Yes, but your dexterity doesn't get better than it naturally is. And that's that's I, true. I, I love... I'll give you an example, right? Do you remember, you know, in Time Crisis, the arcade cabinet came out with a, a Hell push yeah. button to duck? Yeah. And alongside that, they brought out Point Blank, which was the same oh. gun top slider thing, a pink one and a blue one, and it was like, shoot balloons, shoot little piranhas. Um, <sighs> Loved that game. Yeah. Well... Some of those levels where how many things can you shoot in this many seconds? He just with his trigger finger on that gun could make it go like a fucking machine gun. To this day, I have no idea how he did it. What I had to do was hold it in my left hand and then with my right finger, flick it in and out as fast as I could. But I couldn't hold the gun and do the same thing.
0: Yeah, that was my that was my technique as well. You can you couldn't fire it like it was a gun and no. still do it no you had to you're absolutely right I'd do it and hold the gun in your left hand work the trigger with your right hand and just
1: blast away point yep. blank god I forgot about that one but he'd have beaten both of us just holding it like a normal gun that was a good sort how of
0: did pre-movie game at the cinema I see yes
1: that's, that, that's exactly where we used to play it
0: yeah that and Sega Rally um, yes, I've played a lot of Sega Rally at the Warner Brothers Cinema in Doncaster. That was where you, what you did before the film came on, got your pick and mix and played Sega <laughs> Rally.
1: Oh I my! Should playing Daytona as well and just ramming people into the wall and see if I could get them to flip over. Well, a bit of dirty tactics, but <laughs>
0: and that, but that was just a mind blowing game, a car game in 3D, in actual 3D, and mm. our minds were blown. Yes, <laughs> you know. Those were the days, yeah. And I suppose (laughs) that that kind of brings us up to date, then, doesn't it? After PS Two, I mean, because then I'm assuming we go
1: to PS Three. No, Xbox Three Sixty. Right. After much arguments, (laughs) then me trying to get well. That was Casey's fault, and I went to his house, and he put on Trials HD for me. Ah, yeah. And the physics of that game, and just the sheer fun factor. I was like, I need this thing. <laughs> yeah. It was just amazing. That um, was,
0: that what I loved about that game was how it it put all of your friends on the screen there with you, so mm. you knew if you, it was just for those of you who never played it, it was basically how far down this this trial bike track can you ride the bike? Simple yeah. as that. Sometimes how quickly can you do it as well? I think. Yeah. Um,
1: and the answer to that was always not as fast as fucking Jonathan bloody Wilkins. Exactly. Yes. Bastard. <laughs>
0: Haunting you always, if you'd gone another (laughs) 10 yards, you'd have gone as far as Jonathan Wilkinson. Well, fuck him. (laughs) Screaming at your TV at Jonathan Wilkinson at two in the morning. I could have made it up that
1: (laughs) slope. Damn (laughs) it. But the Xbox 360 brought back multiplayer for me because I hadn't played anything for years. Um, And I did get, only a couple of times, but I did get the joy of playing uh, Halo with Stu Perry. And it was a hell of a lot of fun.
0: Um, See, I I, and- would, I would, I thought the Xbox 360 was the best one of that generation. Mm. That's it's what I went with, and I, I think it did. I think, did it outsell the PS3 uh, in the end? Imagine so. I feel like it did. Okay. I mean,
1: all I know is I'm sitting here in my recording room, uh, and I've got the the black slimline new version of the Xbox 360 because um, I just needed more disk space because I had so many games for it. I, and I still play it when I can. Um, I, part of that is because I'm a massive fan of Mass Effect. Um, I'm on my second playthrough on the 360. I'm playing Andromeda on the PS4. Um, and also I love Gears of War and I'm gutted because <laughs> I made the jump back to PlayStation because I didn't like the X-Bone um, when it came out. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, Gears of War, Microsoft exclusive. So I I can't play the most recent game. If it's any
0: consolation, it is just that game. There are very few exclusives on the (laughs) Xbox, much to the distress of Microsoft. Um, Mm. It's in a lot of trouble, that console.
1: yeah,
0: Uh, Surprisingly so after the Xbox 360, which I'm looking at the figures now. It did technically outsell the PS3, but not to a degree that Sony should be upset
1: because no, they had to sell two to every person because they all died. <laughs>
0: yeah, a- 83.7 million for the 360 and 80 million for the PS3. So, fuck it. There's there's nothing in that, really. Um, mm. But it's, it's just a shame when you go back to the previous generation where the Xbox sold 24 million and the PS2 sold 155 million. Jeez. Which is just... <laughs> Well, that's why it's the biggest selling console of all time. I think it pulled a lot of people into gaming.
1: Not surprised. And the selection of games was great. Uh, you even had Max Payne on that, although I first played Max Payne on the PC. Um, that was a game that sort of revolutionized things for me. Yeah. Um, but I do get that frustration being a PC gamer for so many years with first-person shooters and then having to use a, a hand controller. I'm shit. It's why I don't play multiplayer now. Because right. I can't aim for toffee. Give me a keyboard and a mouse. I'm better. I'm still not good, but I'm better. Well, um,
0: this is my- the the eternal argument of uh, console shooter up gamers when they keep saying, I, "I've heard heard it said to Microsoft so many times. When are you going to let us play with the PC gamers?" And their response is, uh, "You you don't want that. No, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you really don't. You don't want that. I know you think you're pretty good, but you don't want that. Trust us." <laughs> We've tried. You don't want that.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, strafing around a target and just beaning it in the head with every bullet. I mean, that was basically what we did for years. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get on a console and you're like, ah, oh, I just shot everything but the target.
0: Yeah, joypads are great, but not for that in that, no. You're no. better off playing against other people also using joypads. Um, well, you
1: know what we have missed? What's that? <laughs> Probably the thing that spurred this idea. I did get the Wii, of course. Oh, the Wii. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Lots of people got the Wii.
1: Yeah, and I've listened to you be not so kind to the Wii for, for many years, and I, I've always yeah. found myself pretty much on the other side of the fence with it.
0: I'm, I've am i been so wrong about the Wii. Oh, right. <laughs> so, so wrong. I mean, I want to hear you say to me what it is you've got to say, but I think I'm going to agree with you. That's that's <laughs> the only warning. I, d- I don't think there's discussion here. I think I'm just going to say absolutely but (laughs) you go for it
1: well i mean it was when we when i first got it the wii sports was a revelation with the controllers the tennis the blah 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 i mean when i remember playing the boxing version on my birthday and like and i did it properly like fully boxing um i know i then found out you could just do a little flick to each side to do hooks and things like that yeah but i actually went right to the top and i beat the top guy and i was sweating (laughs) it was a proper workout um uh, but I loved the tennis game on it and all that kind of stuff. But then I was really excited for what else this controller could do. And we waited for that Red Steel game to come out with a samurai sword. And it was fucking terrible. Um, uh, Mario Kart came out. That was it Was Mario Kart. It's always good. Um, bought the steering wheels for it and everything. <clears throat> but I think the game that made me love the Wii. And in fact, I think we talk about this in either episode one or two of Here Goes Nothing. This is how far back this goes um was the uh what was the jedi game jedi outcast possibly no. bear with me no not that. um
0: i'll search for we jedi
1: on CX ah, and see what force comes. force something force Some people are shouting at their iPods now oh, god it was called.
0: i'm so lucky. a star
1: killer in who's uh the guy from the mist film and all that kind of stuff
0: not jedi outcast that wasn't on the wii no i think it's Uh,
1: force unleashed force unleashed that's it
0: right does that have like oh yeah there it is force unleashed and force unleashed force unleashed 2 as well i
1: never got that i don't think they released that on the wii I, i had that on the 360 and i didn't like it because i didn't have the wii controls they're both on the wii okay i need to find that then because i've yeah. still got my wii it's in spain but i've kept it <laughs> right yeah it's
0: two pound 50 on cex
1: excellent i'll pick that up so the thing <clears> i <throat> liked is i've always wanted this wavy sword game to work uh they brought out one for the Kinect on the xbox i bought the Kinect. terrible again mm-hmm. but somebody needs to create me a sword fighting game that makes me feel like i'm sword fighting No one's mastered it yet, but this is the closest in that the right hand controller waves the sword vertically, horizontally, whatever. And you feel like you're cutting down bad guys. And then your force powers are on your nunchuck in your left hand. But when you power up to a certain point, uh, well, you can finish the game and then restart the game again with all of your powers at the level they're at, because you can't max up in one game unless you're really obsessive. Okay. So I think I'm on my third playthrough (laughs) 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 and it's so much fun like level 1 and 2 you just walk into the room electrocute him grab him throw him across the wall pick up that big box slam it into his head Um, but my favourite move in it is one where you basically uh you hold the two remotes together in the middle hold like four buttons down and your character like sucks in all this force and this swirl starts around him and any movable object around you starts flying around you be that stormtroopers boxes whatever and then with your controllers you do this pushing motion out to left and right like you're pushing your hands out going with the force and everything just goes flying And it's that interaction that I've been looking for for years with computer games. And that game is the closest they've ever got me to it. And I'll always love it for that. Fair enough.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Um, I've just, I've put it in my basket.
1: (laughs) It's fun. It is fun. Um, And it's a good story as well, actually. Um, It's Vader sending you out and you're hunting Jedis and stuff like that. And it's, it's very Star Wars universe. It's very, very well done being a LucasArts game. Um, And the other thing I love my Wii for is is that is actually what got me into Guitar Hero. And being a frustrated musician, uh, I love me some Guitar Hero. And it had the best range of Guitar Hero games that I've seen on any console. Because they did uh, Warriors of Rock and uh, Guitar Hero 1, 2, and 3. And just just the tracks you could get. So many tracks I love. Um, I've now got the new version for the PS4 which actually is better buttons wise. It's more like playing a guitar, but it's way harder. Right. Um, but it just doesn't have, it's not enough metal. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it was Guitar Hero 3 has the, Devil went down to Georgia. was looking for a soul to Steel. That's like your, your duel with the devil at the end. Yeah. Um, and that has the metal by Tenacious D, Raining Blood by Slayer. It's got one of the best lists of songs. So I still have all my plastic guitars and Guitar Hero games. Oh, Metallica Guitar Hero Metallica that came out on the Wii as well.
0: Guitar Sorry. Hero Metallica, yeah. Hmm. I think they eventually oh, yeah. did a Billy Joel add-on as well. <laughs> what?
1: What for Metallica?
0: No, for Guitar Hero. Oh, okay. It, it, I think they did the story. It was it was cut because of a joke on the office where you had Michael Scott who liked Billy Joel. And one night, Jim jokes about inviting him over to play Guitar Hero and to, to entice him further, pretends that it's the Billy Joel edition. Uh, <laughs> Billy Joel apparently sees this joke, picks up the phone right away, calls his agent and says, why isn't there a Billy Joel version of Guitar Hero? Do it now.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: And now you can buy Billy Joel tracks for Guitar Hero because of that joke on The Office. Brilliant. There you go. But as a Metallica fan, I don't know that you'll have much... I don't think there's much crossover in the two fan bases there.
1: Well, I like... Um, I'll go walking in, uh, in the middle of... Whatever song that is. R- River of Dreams, that yeah. River Dreams, that one, yes. There you go. I'll play that. I don't remember there being any guitar in it, but I'll... Um, no,
0: yeah. c- certainly not like you'd find in Metallica, <laughs> really. Uh, which, of course, is very guitar-heavy.
1: Well, nerdy fact, the... the Guitar Hero Metallica game is responsible for people being able to hear justice for all the way it should have always been because they'd lost Cliff Burton their bassist and Jason Newsted joined the band, and they for some reason when they mastered that album, just mixed the bass right out of it you can't hear what he's doing right um but because of the way Guitar Hero works in that you can if you're playing the bass it has to lift the bass in the mix so you can hear if you're doing it right yeah, people started extracting those tracks from the game, remixing it and putting it out on YouTube. So you can hear the tracks from and justice for all played perfectly, but with the bass higher in the mix. And it's actually really cool. (laughs) Oh, very good. Mm. I like that. But no, the case, you'd be proud of me. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: I think that that probably does bring us to the end of your
1: gaming history. Pretty much. I mean, there will be gaps. There was one other thing I was going to mention, uh, which isn't really in the normal Pantheon, but those little LCD handheld games. Tiger games.
0: Yeah. Bad things. Bad (laughs) things.
1: (laughs) Well, my sister had one, which was, it had two screens and it was a little chef and he had to run across, grab plates and stack the plates up on the side before they smashed on the floor. And there were little mouses running around to try and trip you up. And it was just LCD images on this game, but it was massively addictive.
0: Ah, uh, the eighties.
1: <laughs> but yeah, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, for now it. I just now I just rage quit a lot. That, that's that's where gaming's got me to now.
0: That's the downside with the Switch, you know. Don't throw the controller. <laughs> Don't do that.
1: See, Resident Evil Seven is the the opening part of that game is fantastic i would love to play it in vr that's the next step i wish i could afford is a vr headset um i wish i could
0: afford it only in that i'd like to have enough money that i didn't care how much i'd spent on it um it needs to get cheaper or better for me
1: Hmm. well i don't know about better because i haven't used one yet but cheaper definitely um but as i said with outcast that's the gaming experience I've always been looking for. Yeah. So like move controllers in the hands, a thing on my face and I can look around and things can scare the shit out of me. Um, (laughs) Resident Evil 7, I was really enjoying and that was basically the prologue. Then it gets into the game proper and it becomes a completely resident evil game. So your frustration needing ribbons to save the game. It's the same with ammo. There's never enough ammo. Then you need this key and you can't get through this door and I got to the bit in the game it's just so difficult. And I've tried twice and the controls are so unresponsive because you're kind of stumbling around um, with all these camera moves. And I'm just like, fuck off. <laughs> like, Why won't you die? And I just rage quit every time. So yeah, I, I'm a frustrated gamer in that I love computer games, but I'm a bit shit at it. And that's a constant frustration. <laughs>
0: Well, as long as you're having fun, that's the main thing, isn't it?
1: It is very much. Yes. And, and I will continue to do so.
0: Exactly. It sounds like you're definitely having fun. Yeah. Which is awesome. So thank you for sharing your gaming history.
1: Thank that, you for that, letting me just go on. It's been great.
0: <laughs> that was lots of fun. I'm now looking forward to others of these. It's It should be good. Hopefully.
1: Oh. I'll probably be texting you for like the next three days and, oh, this game, you want this game? Because <laughs> <laughs> it'll come to me tonight when I'm trying to sleep.
0: You can guarantee it. Well, don't think of too many. I've just ordered a full basket's worth on CEX while we've been talking. <laughs> so I've got PsyOps and Star Wars Force Unleashed coming for the Wii and all that sort of thing. And it's just well, I look I forward
1: to some of these reviews you're doing, so that, that'll be awesome. I've got a whole load of
0: stuff planned. I mean, we're on some of it as we speak, you know, so this yeah. is... This is just some of it, but I'm trying to get some more video stuff done. I, It's coming along. I'm still working out how to do video stuff. You mm. know, it's like, ten. yeah, I know, but it's it's not as simple and straightforward as I want it to be. Mm. Um, but I ordered a big LED panel earlier tonight, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that will help things tomorrow. Oh, cool. Um, actually, it's a kitchen light, but you can put a plug on it and it's stupidly bright.
1: Yes, I know the ones. <laughs> yeah,
0: and uh, it's so much cheaper than buying something that attaches to a camera or something like that. It was tw- 20 quid, something. So we'll see. Anyway, thank you for listening, everybody. I will be back with someone else's gaming history in the very near future. I'm hoping to knock out one a week, but we'll we'll see um, given availability of people. If you'd like to get in touch and, you know, if, if you want to share, come on the show and share your gaming history over Skype. Yeah, why the heck not? Let's do it. Let's have everybody who wants to come on the show come on the show. I'm totally fine with that. (coughs) So please uh, feel free to get in touch. My email address is richardsmith at simplysyndicated.com. You can just let me know or go on Facebook, something. There's loads of stuff. You know how this all works now anyway. So thank you for listening. I'll be back another time. Until then, bye-bye.
2: Bye.